you know, Wednesdays are one of my favorite days, you know, because of the word of God. Yeah. David said, Psalm 119, verse 162, it says that, I rejoice at thy word like one that findeth great spoil. So David saw the word of God like treasure, like gold. You know, when you go and meet even 50 cities on the floor, you see the way you jump. That is how the word of God is to David. He sees it as great spoil. So anytime I am here on a Wednesday to hear the word of God, I'm very happy because in it is life and it also guides us in this life that we are living. Hallelujah. In the scriptures, one thing I've noticed is that anytime you go into the house of the Lord, you are going up. When you are going into the world, you are coming down. So you see that in the tenses, you see that he went up to Jerusalem. And then when they are going to Egypt, which is symbolic of the word, they went down to Egypt. So anytime you come into the house of the Lord, it is an upward motion. You are not going down. So whatever you present to the Lord in the house of God, it will always get another level. It will always, it will always elevate into another level. Hallelujah. So you are not wasting your time here at all. Hallelujah. Yeah. I think when I was on campus, I was having a conversation with a friend. And then we were asking ourselves, why is it that sometimes believers, you know, they have professed Christ, they have the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's as though they have demons. We are like, how is this possible? We couldn't answer the question. But we came to a conclusion that if a man will stay with the word, even, even if not meditation or even real, real study, but just reading it, it has the ability to suck anything that we call demons in the person's life. Because the word is potent. You know, when you don't have the word, no man actually walks into a vacuum. There is a place that the word of God must be in your life. And if the word of God is not there, it's not empty. Something is there. So when the word takes its own place in your life, anything that is a squatter there, disappears. Hallelujah. So, if you have the word, there's some overarching, you know, authority on your life, such that nothing else can take its place or uproot it from there. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, this world that we are in now, the systems of the world now, we see that it has gotten to a point where it is systematized you know, by the devil to box the Christian. So you cannot really do anything good if you are just to go by the principles of the world. If you decide that you'll be a good person in politics, oh boy, you may be the only good seed there before you realize a little compromise here, a little compromise here, and you are like everybody else. So the devil has systematized the world in such a way that if the Christian does not go with the principles of God, it cannot beat the devil in his own game. So you would think that you are playing chess with the devil before you realize he has changed the rules. We are playing checkers. You cannot win the devil in his own game. So the only way we can win the game against the devil is when we come by our own rules also. And then we apply kingdom principles. Hallelujah. Bible said in Isaiah 2, 2, it said that in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. How are we going to establish the Lord's house in the top of the mountains? It will come by going by the principles of God. Because if you are to go by the principles of the world, 
we cannot. You cannot establish anything. You will be like anybody else. You will be lost in the pool. Hallelujah. So we must go on with the principles of the, in the kingdom. So that's why we need prayer. We need fasting. We need a whole lot of things. Because these are the ways that the Lord causes us to increase. Amen. Yeah, so today I'm talking about giving. Hallelujah. I'm talking about giving. And then I realized that, let me talk about one thing I, I left out. You know, we are supposed to engage in things that, you know, our faith can handle. There are times where we listen to some men of God. They give some, you know, revelations and things. They are not lying though, but I believe that we all work in the capacity in which we have known God. So one thing that will work for one man, you may go and do and it wouldn't work for you. So someone will say, if you pray once, that is what God has said. Maybe I will bumpire once, you know. You, the thing is getting worse. But maybe when you continually pray, you see an improvement in the, in, in the, in the issue. So in the capacity that you have worked with God, you flow in that particular direction. So we must engage in things that, you know, our faith will respond to. Then we will build faith. That is how it goes. I had a friend. I have a friend. You know, I don't sleep early at all. I don't sleep early. So I know the people who are mostly online at certain times. <laughs> yeah, so this lady, all of a sudden, she's always up. 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I'm like, why are you up? What are you doing here? She'll be like, I'm going through a lot of things. Now, Baawaka said, going through a lot of things. I beg, I won't ask what it is. <laughs> I won't ask. <laughs> yeah. So, I wouldn't even ask what is going on. But I think one day, after prayer, I just messaged her again. And I asked her, what is going on? Then she told me that she went to the hospital and they have done some tests and some tests. And then now they are saying that they are 80% sure that she has leukemia. And I said, hey, this matter. <laughs> I, so, I, so this is the thing you were talking about that you are going through a lot. And, oh, wow. I told her, I may not have the faith to declare that be healed and then or you'll be healed. But I know something in the word that you can engage. And this thing wouldn't be there again. So I told her, we will pray. We will confess the communion to Yenfan channel. We'll be doing all these things. So I encouraged her in the Lord, you know, that this is not the end. No, you are too young. She was, she's like 20, 21. You are too young to have even this disease and think that your life is ended. That is why you are not sleeping. I told her sleep. So I was encouraging her and things. And then she said that she had a test, I think, the next week. I said, let's continually take the communion. Let's pray. Let's read the word. It has the capacity to change every doctor's report. So we did with it, and she went to the hospital. She went to Interbetting. They did the preliminary test again and everything. And then she came and was like, Jonas, guess what? I said, I should guess what's the thing. It was like, they checked again, and the thing was not there. And I said, this, 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 is, this is how the Lord you know, built our faith. You know, if we are not able to conquer some of these things, how are we going to conquer other, you know, if you are struggling with maybe headache, or you are not applying your faith to headache, when they hit you with leukemia, you, you may die then or because, <laughs> you know, we rate some things higher than some things. So 
the faith you think you need for headache is different from the one that you may need for cancer. So when they mention cancer, if your faith is not built up to a certain point, before you realize you have given up, and then worry, anxiety will even kill you before the devil comes. Hallelujah. Yeah, so let's read 1 John 4.17. 1 John 4.17. Hearing is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. The Lord has set certain systems in place because he loves us. And this is the reason why we will win. And this is the means by which the Lord wants us to win. So he said that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. This judgment is not talking about the final day that we always think, but this one is talking about something like crisis, afflictions. You know, and the boldness also is talking about, you know, boldness of speech. So because of the love of God and the things that we engage in in the kingdom, when certain things, you know, attack us, we may have boldness to speak into the situation for it to change. Hallelujah. So these are the systems that the Lord has put in place. And these systems, by these systems, we will win. We will not go and play the devil's game. We will play by our own rules in our kingdom and we will win. Hallelujah. Yeah, the natural ecosystem with its principles have a way of making you increase, but it doesn't have the capacity to make you a blessing. So you may work, work, you know, eight hours a day, be getting your salary and things, but you may never become a millionaire. It will take the principles of the kingdom to make you that. I saw someone write, he said that I think it was a car, I've forgotten the car, and then I've forgotten the price too. But the person said he did a calculation of his own life and said, even if he saves 5,000 a month, it will take him 53 years to buy that car. 53 years. So you realize that if you are to go by the natural ecosystem, you'll be like everybody else. You may even be regarded as poor. If we want to increase in this world that we are in, we must go by the principles of giving. Hallelujah. So whatever you are doing, I don't know what you are doing. You may be selling water, you may be doing, but the thing is, if you are able to apply the kingdom principles of giving, you have the ability and the propensity to be a millionaire, a billionaire. You can be a channel of what the Lord wants to give to his church. Hallelujah. If we think of our lives as, you know, too natural, Everything, yeah, it must be like the natural things that is happening to everybody. We will be like everybody. But we must understand that in our kingdom, I always see it's in the kingdom of God that is like when you are going low, then you are going up. Everything is like opposite, opposite. If you want to go up, you have to come down. If you want to do this, you have to do this. It doesn't tell you that go straight to that. Always oh, say when you go straight, wait. But people are going, but it is in this mystery that we also gain our advantage. Hallelujah. Yeah, we, we, we have seen in the scriptures, Ecclesiastes, that money answers all things. You know, when we talk about giving, the first thing that, we, that comes into our head is money. But we can give a lot of things. But it's money too I want to stress on. But we can give a lot of things. Our time, our strength, everything. You know, <laughs> there, is, there is one thing I've realized about God. Because he wants us to always depend on him. 
the thing that is easy for you to give, he doesn't ask for it. He asks for the thing that is very difficult for you to give. This is the example. You may have a lot of money. He knows that if he asks for 500 million, he can give it. But if you don't have time, he will ask for your time. That come and spend time in my presence. And the we that we don't have money to, we have a lot of time. We can be praying, but it is bring the money. Because he wants your dependency to be on him. So you see that anything that we do in the kingdom is like a discipline. So that at the end of the day, God is your all. God is the one that you always run to. The calling that the Lord called us is not out of danger. It's calling to himself. So if God is here and this place is burning, God won't say that fire, fire, run away. You say that fire, fire, come to me. The calling of God is to himself because he has the ability to keep us. Hallelujah. So the scripture said, money answers all things. You know, we said um, a feast is made for laughter. Money answers, um, wine maketh their heart merry, but money answers all things. If money answers all things, then if God doesn't have a say in your finances, in your money, then there are chances that he doesn't have a say in a lot of things in your life. Hallelujah. Because money answers all things. So whatever you are going to do, please smile at me. It's not easy being here. Smile at me. When, you, when I look at your face, please smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, money is a commodity everybody is running after in this world. And then it has the ability to corrupt a man. The, the best man you can think of, money has the ability to corrupt the person. So if God doesn't have a say, that is what, you know, leads to the corruption. Hallelujah. So we must let God have a say in our finances. No matter how big, no matter how small, God will say, bring it to me. Please, let us send it to him. Because the thing is, if you hold on to it, it has the ability of corrupting you yourself because you have become like, you are not a channel now you are blocking the thing. And the Lord may have to look at another place, you know, to bring whatever he wants to bring to this world. Hallelujah. So there are places that we can give to. We can give to the church. We can give to men of God. We can give to orphans. We can give to widows. We can give to a whole lot of people. But I want to stress on giving to the church. Amen. You see the woman with the alabaster box. When he went to pour the perfume on the feet of Jesus, she didn't know the extent to which she was doing the thing. Giving in itself, sometimes when you, you know, when you give, it's like, I've just given. But sometimes you don't know the extent to which that giving is going to go. When, when she poured it on the feet of Jesus Christ and then Judas was complaining, Jesus Christ said that, do not complain because this woman has anointed me for my burial. I doubt the woman knew that what she was going to do was an anointing, you know, of Jesus for his burial. So sometimes when the Lord requests some things from you to give some things unto him, just obey because you don't know the extent to which that thing will go. I was listening to a sermon some years ago by Tudor Bismarck. And then he said that God told him that someone will come to church that day and the person will bring one million dollars. So he said that he dressed everything, went to church, expecting that person to come. So after church, nobody came. Then he went home. Then he asked God, why is it that you told me expressly that someone will come and give me $1 million in this um, service and nobody came? 
and said that the person was there, but in service, the person changed his mind. In service, the person changed his mind. So when it comes to the issues of giving, God does not force anybody. He doesn't even convince. He rather convicts. Hallelujah. So the Lord will convict you that go and give this thing. But you can choose to disobey. But the thing is, it is always your singular honor to, you know, help in the kingdom business. In that same sermon, then he said that one time the Lord told him that he had a gold watch. And then God told him that when he goes to the church, he should give it to so-so and so. So when he got there, he said he gave the watch to the person. When he gave the watch to the person, the person started crying. Then he asked the person, why are you crying? Then he said that the Lord told him that to be someone would dash him a watch. And then when the person dashes him the watch, it will be the beginning of a different season in his life where everything will be well. So what I got from this particular story is that you don't know how long someone has been waiting for something that you are supposed to let go. So when you hold on to it, the Lord will do what he will do. But the thing is, it would have been your honor. It would have been in your best interest that you will be the channel through which the thing will come. So if the man of God had not given the watch, maybe someone else would have given the watch because God would have instructed somebody else to give it. And then what he would do, he would have done. Hallelujah. So when the Lord requests of us something, substance of our hands, our time, our energy, let's not hold back because you don't know the lives at stake when it comes to what the Lord is requesting from you. Hallelujah. Giving in itself is a system, it's a technology of increase in this kingdom. If you want to increase, you have to give. Hallelujah. Let's go to Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. I said, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. 25. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Hallelujah. You see that, you know, the scattering here is more like seeds. It's like you are scattering seeds. Nobody in his right sense will hold a seed and keep it like, I wouldn't go and sow it. It means you don't want increase in any way. Amen. But when you have a seed in your hand, the best thing to do is to go and sow the seed. It is in the sowing of the seed that we get abundance, we get increase. If you hold on to seed, you really can't do anything with seeds. It's like eating a fruit. Nobody eats orange and chews the seed. I don't, okay, I've not seen anybody who does that. Maybe some people do. And I even read something online that if you're able to chew about 15 apple seeds, it has the ability to numb your, your feet for some number of hours because of the, I think, cyanide inside the seed. So seed in itself, it must be planted. It's not meant to be eaten. Hallelujah. So... When the Lord blesses you, you eat your bread and you sow your seed. But a lot of the times as Christians, because we don't see it as seed, we eat the bread and the seed all. Hallelujah. In the natural sense, nobody eats seed. You have to go and sow the seed so that you see the increase that the Lord wants to give you. Hallelujah. Bible said, the righteous will flourish like the palm tree. If you see, you know, people actually say that, I've sold, I've given, I've not seen anything. But if you see how palm tree, the seed is, 
and how it germinates. You appreciate whatever is happening to you. It's not like the orange that when you put it there, no, something will come. You say that yeah, there is something. You have to do something to it. I mean, you see how the palm fruit is like very hard. You have to do something to it. It's called scarification. You have to scar it and put it in the soil before something can happen to it. Hallelujah. The righteous will flourish like the palm tree. And sometimes to the emergence of it, you don't see basic intersigns, epigial, hypogeal germination. There is one that will come up. You see that yes, something is happening, but there is one that will germinate in the soil. So you will not see anything. But I think something is happening. Hallelujah. Something is happening to the seed that you have let go. Nobody holds seed and expects increase. If you hold on to your seed, you may not increase. Amen. Bible said in Psalm 24, 1, said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So if the earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, why is God requesting of us some of the things, you know, like money? Because clearly God doesn't need it. Hallelujah. God doesn't need the money that you are bringing. But in bringing the money to God, you are positioning yourself for the things that the Lord wants to pour to you. Hallelujah. When you are able to give something to the hand of the Lord, it automatically turns your heart towards God. It's automatic because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Hallelujah. So, because I don't have money in some banks, I have money in only Standard Chartered. So, whatever happens to the other banks, I may sit in my house and not care because I don't have any treasure there. But if you have your treasure in the vineyard of God, whatever goes on there, your heart follows after it. Hallelujah. Yeah, so giving is a way to break away from selfishness. If you always have, always have, you know, you, you get to a point where you become selfish, like you don't need to give to anybody. I'm, I'm okay. You know, like the, um, the parable that the Lord told, the man, he gathered everything into the barn. He said that, ah, Mekra did tell. You know, he gathered everything into the barn. He said that, fool, tomorrow you will die. Hallelujah. So giving has a way of breaking us from selfishness. So when you have a certain amount of money and you are able to leave it or give it into the hand of God, it is a way of telling you that no need to be selfish. The Lord will be your sufficiency. Job said, that, you know, in the book of Job, when the devil was speaking with um, God about Job and everything, the devil said, skin for skin, what a man, what will a man not give for his life? So you see that your riches, the things that you possess, is like your skin. When you, when you are giving it up, it's very difficult, especially money. People can give some things easily, but when it comes to the issue of money, so babies come out. Hey, no matter how generous the person is, sometimes, hey, yeah, unless, you know, some people have something like acquired taste. Or yes, and But initially, when you are giving something or something you've worked for, you've toiled for, and the Lord is saying that, bring it to me, give it to this person. It's a hard thing. But the more we do it, it's like we are, it's a discipline on our side. Hallelujah. So that we will not be selfish people. Amen. So I've said again that um, giving has a way of turning our heart towards God, you know, to be committed to the things of God. So the more we give, we are committed to the things of God. We are committed to what the Lord is doing in his house because your heart automatically follows after the treasure. 
Amen. One thing I have realized is that in giving, there is the blessing and there is the reward. So when you give, there is a blessing of giving and then there is the reward of giving. There are, there are, there are things that we do, it's only having that review. So you give something, you may never see its manifestation. Or, you know, sometimes the scriptures speak of when you give, you receive. But there are some things you have given, you have never seen anything called receiving. There is a reward of giving. And then I believe that one of the greatest regrets in heaven will be missed opportunities to, you know, serve God and then do the things of God. I read, I forgot which man of God, you know, some of these guys of old, they say that three seconds in heaven and then we would have wished we carried greater zeal. We had done a lot. Three seconds in heaven. So when the Lord requests of us to give something, we must know that there is the blessing of it and then there's the reward of it. Even if you don't see the blessing, you know that the reward, it is sure. Hallelujah. You give for a course, missionaries, you just give one CD. You don't know how, how the one CD will travel and go and do something on your behalf when the Lord requests. When they call you, spend time in prayer. You, you don't know how that, that particular one hour you stood in prayer is, is doing in someone's life. Hallelujah. So we shouldn't miss opportunities to serve God. When we are called to do it, let's do it wholeheartedly. Papa has been saying always that. If you won't do it, then don't do it so that you know that you didn't do it. But if you are doing it, do it well. Hallelujah. One thing I realized also is that giving is grace. Giving is grace. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8. Let's go to 7. But as you abound in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. If read the NIV, say that, see that you abound in this giving grace, uh -huh, in this grace of giving. Hallelujah. So when you give, it's like you are extending grace. In the scriptures, it is scattered. There's grace, great grace, exceeding grace, all grace. It's all there. So you see that there is a grace that comes by um, knowledge. It's that grace and peace be multiplied unto you according to knowledge. And there is one that comes in great grace, the apostles, when they gathered, you know. So there's the one of prayer when you gather. There's one which comes by knowledge. But when it comes to giving, when it comes to giving, let's go to 2 Corinthians 9, 9, 6 to 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever, let's go to King James, please, King James. But this I see, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So you see that the grace that is associated with giving is called all grace. When you give, all grace abounds unto you. Hallelujah. Giving also is righteousness. Giving 
you know, it's part of your righteous nature. You are supposed to give. Hallelujah. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 9.9. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So it said, as it is written. So the main scripture is in Psalm 112 verse 9. Psalm 112 verse 9. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. So the more we give, it shows a righteous nature. And then also it has the ability to uplift your horn with honor. Hallelujah. Another thing also is that giving is a proof of the sincerity of our love. Because God loved us, he gave us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the sincerity of your love is in charity. You should be able to extend a hand. Hallelujah. You should be able to extend a hand. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 8. 8. I speak not my commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. We are lying to ourselves if we say that we love God and we are not giving towards his cause. It's just deception on our side. Hallelujah. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You will love the things there. Hallelujah. Because of love, you should see the things David gave. Let's read the scripture. First Chronicles 29, 1-5. 1 Chronicles 29, 1-5. First Chronicles 29, 1-5. Moreover, furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God, too. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, Silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God. So the reason why he did these things was because he had set his affection on the house of his God. If you love God, you will give towards his, his projects. Hallelujah. You will give towards his cause. Now, how do we give? How do we give? Bible says we should not give gradually. We should not give gradually, but we should purpose in our heart. For the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So when we are giving, we should be cheerful about it. It may pain, but you have to be cheerful. Hallelujah. You, you know, sometimes uh, love can move you to tears. Because you love, you are moved to tears. Hallelujah. So let's, let's hold that thing as constant, love. And then even if you are giving in tears, give it. Because it's in scripture, Anna, Psalm 1 to 6. Psalm 1 to 5 to 6. You can give and you'll be in tears. 
It's an amazing thing. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So if we hold on to the end of the matter, it is easier to do, though it is not easy to do. But we should see the end goal of it. You wouldn't bring a stalk. You bring sheaves, bundles of it. Hallelujah. And then the last thing I want to talk about is that in giving, we prepare for it. You don't just give. You prepare for it. I can see that we all have the ability to give 100 CDs every Sunday if we prepare for it. We have the ability. You know, mostly, we all do it. We will just be there and say, Hey, I'm going to pay 10 CDs. And I'm going to pay 5 CDs, 5 CDs, first and second offering. Yeah. But when it comes to giving, you prepare for it. Papa has taught us, I think one of the harvest, he taught us that you must prepare for the harvest. So it is not impossible for you to give over 5,000 CDs if you started preparing in January. It is very possible. So giving in itself, we must prepare for it. It's not touch and go. Let's go to Genesis 4.4. Genesis 4.4. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. It was not on that day that the firstborns were, were, were given birth to. So he had accounted for them that when it gets to the time where we will go and sacrifice unto the Lord, I will send the firstborn of the flock. So Abia last week, two months ago, he had marked every one of them that on this day, I'm sending the firstborn of the flock. So he had prepared for the sacrifice. That's why the Lord was pleased with him. Hallelujah. So in our offerings, in the giving of our offerings, we shouldn't treat it as touch and go. Prepare for it and you will realize that every day the Lord will make sure that whatever you have purpose in your heart, you have substance to bring. Hallelujah. So this is my word for you today that when it comes to giving, let's not do touch and go and let's understand that it is a system that the Lord has put in place for our increase in this kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do we say to the man of God? God bless you. Is it powerful? Was it a good word? That was a good word. That was a good, 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 good word. 